Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. It had to be three years ago when I had a client who would be, if we were going to use the BMI to classify her weight, she would be obese in the obese category. And when she first came in for our appointment, just like with everybody, I ask her, you know, what brings you in here? What's really motivating you to want to lose weight? Because that's Mm -hmm. what she wanted. And, you know, she said the same things that a lot of people say. She wanted to feel better in her body. She wanted to feel more confident, fit into clothes, decrease risk for, for chronic diseases. But the thing that I remember the most was when she got really teary-eyed because she said her and her husband are both obese and their sexual life had struggled because of it. Mm-hmm. And she told me that he suffered from erectile dysfunction um, and she just did not feel confident in her body. She didn't have any desire to have sex. She didn't want to get naked, even though this was a guy who loved her. And mm-hmm. it was all in with her and, and then he had some functionality issues. And it was so cool because we worked together for a few months. I'll never forget when she told me she had lost a lot of inches. I can't remember how much weight she had lost, but she had kept track of all the inches she lost week after week. And at one of our sessions, she told me that her and her husband had had sex again for the first time Yay. in a long time. And I never followed up with her more mm-hmm. to understand that part. And at the time, I was a relatively newer dietitian, so I wasn't as confident to ask to more get questions. Into detail, yeah. But mm-hmm. now I want details. Um, but right. yeah, I, it was really cool to hear how getting healthier really helped her have a better sex life. And I thought of the story again when I was listening to Dr. Peter Atia's podcast. It was episode number 259 with Dr. Sharon Parish. And they were talking about women's sexual health. And she said that, why don't we talk to patients about using sex as a motivator to get healthier? And she mm-hmm. talked a lot about hormones and whatnot. It just made me think of that client. That was something that really motivated her. But typically in the clinician world, it's a secondary benefit. Yeah, I was going to say, good on her for having the confidence to tell you that that was something that she was working towards. Because I think a lot of times, I, I could probably count on one hand the clients who have told me something in that area being a goal that didn't have to do with fertility. Yeah. Because I think a lot of women are confident in saying, I want to improve my sex life because we're thinking about having kids or because we're trying to get pregnant. It's almost as if like that's acceptable if you want to get pregnant, but it's maybe not as acceptable if you're just like, I want to have a good sex life. Yeah. Yeah. So like, let's make that acceptable because that is something that you can measure. You can feel, you can tell like, is it going better? Is it not? That doesn't have anything to do with weight or size or anything like that. Right. It's not the aesthetics that we hear a lot or the medical side the health side it's having a better sex life which is part of 
having a healthy life for many people, mm-hmm. having a sex life that you feel good about. And there's just a lot of stigma around it. And I would understand. I feel like if I was coming in to talk to a person one-on-one mm-hmm. like we do and look somebody I've never met in the eye before and say, I want to have a better sex life with my partner, I might get a little shy and it's just easier to dance around that terminology. And not that anyone listening to this feels like they have to come to their practitioner and say that, but if that for you is a key motivator more than looking good or even improving your your cholesterol, own it. Or if it's something where it's an area you recognize where there is a problem, maybe feeling okay about bringing that up to a practitioner, whether it's a dietitian or your physician or your whoever it is, like maybe therapist even, like bringing those things up because you never know what arena is going to help you in that realm or bringing all of those things together Mm. to improve the overall sex life. So let's talk about what maybe needs to be going on to have a healthy sex life. And this is going to look different for everyone. So I'm going to talk about my own experience and what I would need. Um, And you can too if you want or other client stories. So I'm thinking self-image is a huge thing. For sure. And it's easy to jump into thinking, oh, I want to be thin or fit or have a certain dress size or look like this naked to have a good self-image. And sure, I think that matters for a lot of people. But also when you take care of your body, you exercise, you eat well, you drink water, you get a lot of rest, you build confidence in yourself. You feel good about yourself because you're doing good things for yourself. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whatever size body that you have, that's going to show up in how you show up in the world, whether that's in the bedroom or out of the bedroom. So there is something very empowering about taking care of yourself and eating a healthy diet and moving your body that help you feel better about yourself and give you more confidence to go out and do whatever freaky things you want to do. Mm -hmm. For me, sleep is so big. (laughs) Like being well rested makes my sex drive go up because I can, I put sleep on a pedestal. So if something is endangering the amount of sleep that I'm getting in a night and I'm already tired that day, it's much less likely to happen. So I say sleep is the number one pillar. It comes before nutrition. It comes before exercise. It comes before everything with each client. But I think this is another reason, mm-hmm. at least for me, why it's number one. Because if I'm tired, I just want to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, like, entertain somebody else. Right. I also think it's important to have a healthy lifestyle, healthy sleep, healthy food, so that you can function well. Mm -hmm. And that could be blood flow. Like my client whose partner had trouble with erectile dysfunction. It seemed to be, the the root cause seemed to be, and I don't know this for sure, a blood sugar problem, a weight problem, which is Mm -hmm. often associated. So sometimes when people um, have poor blood flow because they have diabetes, elevated blood sugars, elevated insulin, that affects their their genitals too. Yeah, and the blood flow can't go there. And not just for men; it's blood flow for women. If you don't have enough blood flowing through that area, it's not going to feel as good. It's not going to feel as good. <clears throat> so if if you used to be able to have a lot of orgasms and then your diet changed, it's not as healthy lately. You're not feeling well rested. Those could, if, if having a good orgasm is motivating for you, then awesome. Mm-hmm. That would be for me for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely. Also having the energy and the stamina, right? The uh, energy to start. 
um, to even feel aroused, to have um, interest if your partner comes to you first. I know for a lot of women, we may not feel that initial desire at first. We may not feel, like we don't come through the door always ready yeah. to, to have sex, but maybe our partner does, mm-hmm. and then we get aroused. But if you don't have the energy, if you're tired, if you're drained, if you've been eating garbage all day and you're just feeling kind of bleh, then you're not going to want to be receptive to any kind of initiation from somebody else. Right. For women, it always starts in the brain. And if my brain doesn't have enough space to even accept that desire from you, then it's an immediate shutdown. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I allow myself to have some of that brain space at the end of the day, I'm going to be much more receptive to that happening. Right. So how do you do that for yourself besides (laughs) sleep? (laughs) So something that I learned from my therapist that has nothing to do with nutrition or exercise. Well, I guess it does. But um, so she taught me the marble theory that you have so many marbles at the beginning of the day so like let's say you start the day with 20 marbles and two of those marbles are going towards prepping your breakfast and your lunch and two of those marbles are going towards driving to work and 15 of those marbles are going towards work and working with clients and then five of those marbles are left for the end of the day with your partner And one of the things she helped me with was after you have a kid, even if you start the day with 20 marbles, you never get more marbles. So it's not like you go work out and you get an extra marble. That just doesn't happen. You're actually taking away. So when you have a kid, like automatically just take 10 marbles away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like just the brain space that it takes and whether you're staying at home with them or you're taking them to daycare and you're waking them up and you're changing diaper and you're getting like you're responsible for another individual so take those all away because what I was trying to do was accomplish the same amount of things and have the same amount of brain space that I was before having a kid for all the other endeavors in life Mm -hmm. and then I realized oh I only have 10 of these to distribute throughout the day and some of these have to go to my partner Mm -hmm. so if I used all my marbles all day I've got nothing left to give you at the end of the day and that includes sex Mm -hmm. so I have to leave a certain amount of marbles at 6 p.m. to be open so I can even be open to the possibility of that. Otherwise, it's like something that my brain doesn't have to focus on. Let's just watch Netflix or something I don't have to think about. And then that decreases the quality of our relationship because we're not connecting whether it's sex or talking or whatever just sitting down and having a meal we're not really connected if I don't have any marbles left at the end of the day so it just helps me to kind of even out my day and realize how much can I take on and if I look at my day and I'm like how many marbles are each of these things going to take and it also gives me a little bit of like okay Megan you used all of them today it's okay to recognize that sometimes you just don't have any more to give. I've used the marble theory with clients since you've taught me it. I think it's brilliant. As I've never talked about it in a, in a sexual nature, mm-hmm. but with a meal planning or an exercise analogy of like, oh, you know, if you only have so many marbles and you're using them all up earlier in the day, maybe we need to rearrange when you're using marbles so that you're prioritizing certain things. Yeah. So as you were saying that, I had a few counter arguments come up in my head. Mm-hmm. What about the woman who works full time and she's got kids and she has no energy for having sex at the end of the day? Even if she is eating relatively healthy, mm-hmm. she's out of marbles. Well, it is maybe just a rearranging of the timing in which you're doing things. I also had the counter argument of well, what if you've got two marbles left at 6 p.m. and You can either use both of them to connect with your partner or you use it to cook a healthy meal for your family. Mm -hmm. That would be hard. Well, here's the thing. I always think people get too into like making each weekday look the same. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's okay if on Wednesday you use both of those marbles to make a good healthy meal. But then on Thursday you use them to connect with your partner and you guys get takeout. Like it can be different every day. 
People think when you're in a healthy routine, that routine has to look so similar every single day. And so if you plan to like every Thursday, we're gonna go get kava for dinner, so that's off my plate. So it's gonna give me an additional two marbles that I can then give to you. Mm. So recognizing, oh, you only have two left and you only have two left on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You don't always have to give those two to the same thing every day. I'm with you. I think you and I are both those people that we like our days to look a little bit different. We don't want to eat the same thing every single day. We don't want to have the same routine. And then I know there are people who want the same thing mm-hmm. every single day. And then they beat themselves up if it doesn't look it's like it's It's counterintuitive to. to wellness. Yeah. It really is because then when you beat yourself up, you stop doing that thing that was really helpful for you because you couldn't do it every single day, Monday through Friday. But that's absolutely okay and absolutely normal. And figuring out what your week as a whole is going to look like rather than this is my goal every single day, 20 minutes of exercise at 5 a.m. Like, okay, maybe it does look like that four days a week. But then Friday, you give yourself time in bed and you read your book or maybe you have morning sex. Like, yeah. So every day can look different. I think that's a better overall wellness plan than trying to make every day or even every week look the same. Maybe some weeks are dedicated to Mm. certain things and then the next week is you shift back to work and then the next week you shift back to family. Just figuring out what that looks like as a flow for you. Flow takes practice, I'll say, because... I would say when I, I look at my life, I feel like I'm very flexible. You know, I don't hold myself to super strict standards. Uh, I don't have to every day look the same. Um, but there are some people who the idea of their Tuesday looking different than their Wednesday puts them in an absolute frenzy. So <laughs> if you're hearing that and you're like, I'm not even close to that, just start really small. I like your idea of maybe taking dinner off your plate on Thursday by choosing two or three healthy restaurants that you just always go to, you know you've got those good options that you can order in or just swing by after work to pick up, and then you've got more time to focus on those other areas of living living well. Right. It's cliche, but when they say it's a lifestyle, not a diet, I think this is that same thing. <laughs> uh-huh. If you live a full, healthy life, that leaves room for flexibility. And you get to define what health looks like. It's not what, you know somebody's posting on their TikTok or Instagram, maybe they do the same routine, maybe they're preaching to you that you should work out the same time every day before the sun rises, and you feel bad because you would rather do that, use that time to sleep in so that you have energy later in the day to cook healthy meals or have sex with your partner or go to the grocery store or clean your house or whatever else makes you feel good. That's okay, you can't just compare yourself to somebody else's strict regimen and take that as the only way to live healthy. Yeah, so I think a a lot of the themes that we're talking about have to do with energy balance. And obviously, nutrition goes into that energy balance. So if you're eating, you know, something crappy at 3 p.m., like you're going to go get a cookie and a coffee, and then you have that energy crash at 6, 7 o'clock, that doesn't really lend itself to you feeling sexy and being ready to go either. You know what makes me feel the opposite of sexy? What? When I overeat. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> when I Very stuff true. my face. Mm-hmm. So if like we go out to dinner or something mm-hmm. and I eat past the point of fullness it is very hard for me to want to come home and do anything frisky. I agree. Even if I'm like dressed to the nines, I got my heels on and Will's like, hell yeah, this is great. And then I go out <laughs> and I eat a ton and then I come home and I'm like, it ain't happening, bro. And he's like, what? Like, what do you mean? Doesn't affect him at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, no, not yeah. happening. No. So, uh, you know, going back to the motivation part, if having 
a lot of sex is motivating for you, okay, then maybe keep that in your back pocket if you're going out for date night mm-hmm. or how you're eating at dinner the meal before. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, the Just day know ahead of time if I'm getting the pot pie. Just, <laughs> you're getting the pot pie? <laughs> I know pot pie was like something I thought of that was very heavy and like comforting food and is not going to make me feel you sexy. Don't wanna, you don't want to have sex after <laughs> gravy and... <laughs> Well, this is a little bit of a side note, but this weekend, me and my friend, we were in Georgia, and we went to this nice resort that Megan, actually, you recommended to me, and then we left, and we went to get breakfast, and we were in this small town, so we just, like, picked a place on Google, and we walk in, and the lady who takes us to her seat, she's like, y'all ever been here before? And we're like, no, we haven't. And she's like, oh, y'all in for a treat. I hope that you guys are getting to go to bed after this because you are going to oh, love boy. this. And it was like an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet with, like, real Georgia food. They had carrot cake in the buffet at 11 a.m. It was insane. Nice. So it was so funny because we were eating that. And then sure enough, I was so sleepy. And we were supposed to, like, go take a walk and do all this <laughs> stuff in Atlanta before our flight. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> But that's the same thing that we're talking about. Like, you don't want to do anything after a big, heavy meal. You Mm -hmm. just want to lay down and unbutton your pants. And that's not hot. Not hot. hot. (laughs) And I just don't think people talk about wanting to feel and look sexy after a meal as being a good reason to make a certain decision. Mm -hmm. I think it's as good as a reason of any. I think it's a better reason than weight loss, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I know, like, if I'm feeling strong, I'm feeling in shape, like, I'm much more likely to be like, "Mm, look at me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what about people who have IBS and digestive issues? Yeah. That's rough. Mm-hmm. That can be rough. But I also know for a fact a lot of people who have IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, they also are very stressed out. They're very anxious. They've got a lot on their plate. They're under-rested. They've got too much going on. And then they feel bloated all the time. And then they use that as the reason that, oh, maybe I don't want to be intimate because I have this distended belly. I feel pregnant. I just want to lay down. I need to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And we have people come in all the time who are like, I need to stop eating certain foods, don't I? I have IBS. I should eliminate gluten. I should not eat dairy. No sugar. Nothing inflammatory. And maybe... But oftentimes, these people just have a lot of stress, much of which is in their own control. Not always, but some of which they can control. And so we have to help them reorganize their life so that they get more sleep, get more rest, and that helps alleviate some of that digestive issue. Yeah, talking about their stress-relieving techniques and really making that a priority in the day or a priority in life. And I know I've probably talked about this guy before but I've had a I had a guy that came in and he had a lot of IBS issues um IBSD so diarrhea and pain associated with going to the bathroom and a lot of times it was happening in the mornings and he couldn't pinpoint what it was that was causing this and we went through all these different scenarios and it didn't it seemed like at the end of all of it it didn't really matter what he ate because he was kind of convinced that it was certain foods and what it came down to because we did talk a lot about stress his job was pretty stressful is he figured out that it was when he was meeting with these certain people in the company when he had mm-hmm. to like kind of present in front of them present his ideas and they were kind of um not grading him on his ideas but he brought them his ideas and they were saying like either yes or no to what he was bringing to the table and anytime he was in that scenario that's when he would have Mm. his symptoms and he'd have to be running to the bathroom which killed him because he didn't want to be running back and forth he wanted to be ready for this presentation 
So once we figured that out, he was like, okay, like now I understand why this is happening. And we were able to implement some stress relieving techniques on those mornings or on those evenings Mm -hmm. where he knew like, okay, I can bring my stress level down as much as possible before these certain scenarios. And then he actually gained some confidence, started going to the gym and lifting again, which actually increased his confidence even more. Um, And then by the end of us working together, he wasn't really having any issues anymore. I also started him on some certain supplements um, that helped him as well. And they were mostly, um, why is the, some enzymes Mm. to help break down certain foods that he was having a hard time digesting. But all of that together really helped. Dairy? Was it dairy? No, it was, um, I can't think of, I don't know why I'm like having a brain fart right now. I recommend them all the time, but it was from Thorne. Whatever their, uh, oh, it's like a blend of different, it's like three different digestive enzymes that are in this blend. I'll link it in the show that notes really when you remember. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if I'll link it in there if anyone's It's called like Digestease or something like that, but. Um. kind of cute. <laughs> kind of cute. So he had the nervous poops. Yes. And then he just took some enzymes, started to relieve stress and <laughs> yeah. didn't have the nervous poops anymore. Right. And so that is a happy ending if mm-hmm. I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. Okay, one other thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to sexual health, nutrition, and all of those things is how skipping meals and not eating a lot or eating a lot of sugar and a lot of junk food causes a blood sugar spike and drop. So if you skip meals, you have a drop in blood sugar. If you eat a bunch of sugar, refined carbs, you have that initial spike and then drop. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes this can leave people feeling irritable and hangry. And I was thinking about this on a relational level. If I'm feeling hangry and irritable, there's nothing that my boyfriend can say to me that I'm, I want to listen. Like I'm mm-hmm. on one track mind. So if all day long you're stressed and your blood sugar's out of control because you're suppressing your appetite with coffee or you're drinking a bunch of sugary coffees or having a bunch of snacks, you're going to be on this blood sugar wave that makes it very easy to get irritable at somebody that you might have sex with, or you're going to want to overeat when you finally do sit down and eat. Mm-hmm. And that can, of course put the lid on any possibility. So it's important to eat balanced, healthy meals throughout the day, not starve yourself, and also make sure that you're consuming protein, you're eating fiber, you're eating a balanced diet that helps you just feel better from a mood perspective because that matters. Right, you gotta be in a good mood. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, step one. (laughs) I mean, because you don't have to. True, true. But if you want to enjoy it, then yeah. Oh, speaking of mood, I think this would be a great thing to end the episode on is talking about hormones and sexual health for women. This is something that just kind of blows my mind, and I'm really glad there's a conversation about it, but we were really never taught about our different cycles and how we're going to feel different during different cycles. Yes. I think a lot of information out there is geared towards men who have 24-hour hormone cycles on average, right? There's always exceptions. They have a certain energy pattern. They're for the most part going to feel the same throughout the day if they're mentally healthy and that's that. And so we think as women, we should have the same amount of energy every single day. So right after your menstrual cycle, a couple days after you start your follicular phase and most of us start to feel like ourselves around this time. Your ideal self, you've got energy, you feel good, you don't feel as bloated, you've got stamina, you want to work out, you want to do all the things you feel like superwoman, then you ovulate, which is for some people on average 14 days after your bleed, but 
for other people it's later i know for me it's day like 19 or 20 normally and you feel really great then your Mm -hmm. peak fertility you feel awesome and then it's just like downhill Mm -hmm. (laughs) after you ovulate you enter your luteal phase you need more sleep here you're going to be hungrier you have more of an appetite you'll start to feel bloated many of us have our pms symptoms somewhere between you know four to seven days before our cycle other people have PMDD, where they feel off uh, their entire luteal phase, which is about 14 to 16 days. And we compare ourselves during this phase to our follicular phase when we felt awesome. So we're like, how come just a week ago, I was getting everything done on my to-do list. I wanted to have sex with my partner. I felt great about myself. And now I feel awful, tired, and I can only do the bare minimum. I just sent a text to my friend this morning that said something like, ovulation is a bitch because (laughs) she sets me up for failure for two weeks later yes because the past two days i have just been crushing life are we on the same cycle (laughs) maybe (laughs) (laughs) i just i'm day one of like luteal right now um well i ovulated on monday Mm -hmm. so um so yeah so i was like super like great past two days and then i was thinking about how like two weeks ago i was just not in the zone at all I'm like, man, she really sets us up for failure, doesn't she? I'm I'm dying because you've been on your Instagram game the past two That's days. That's why. <laughs> I literally thought that. I'm all like, the great meals I've been making, all the workouts. I've been getting up at 5 a.m. and doing workouts. And it's like, and I remember two weeks ago being like, what is my life? Like, I just, I need something new. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Not feeling that way at all. <laughs> and now, and like, whenever you're in your luteal again, you're mm-hmm. going to compare. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so easy to compare yourself. Mm-hmm. But awareness is so helpful. Like, once I figured that out, I get, like, two or three days before my period, I get, like, self-loathing. And I'm not a self-loathing person. I'm blessed enough to not suffer from depression or anything like that. But I empathize with depression because those few days before my period... I hate myself and it's mm -hmm. a very weird thing. But when I figured out that that's semi-normal and that happens and that I'm going to feel normal again in two days, it alleviates a lot of the symptoms and I don't feel guilty for not wanting to get in bed. Like I will, Mm -hmm. there's a trend now, they call it bed rotting. Have Mm -hmm. you heard of that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, like I bed rot. And (laughs) I used to feel guilty about it because, you know, my normally I can do all the things on my to-do list. Today I'm barely answering calls. Yeah, I I noticed this because if my wake up time, I don't ever set an alarm, but I recognize during that first two weeks, I can get up and go do a workout. And then that last two weeks, I want to, like there's nothing that, can get me up out of bed and I want to stay in bed till seven. Whereas in this phase, I can get up five, five thirty and be totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's a different person. Yeah. So being aware of that cycle and getting to know your cycle is crucial. And I think the best way to do that is to use an app. It helped me. I also read this book that I'm going to link in, um, in the show notes too. It's called understanding your fertility. I believe Basically, it just taught me everything about how to prevent pregnancy, how to understand your cycles, how to detect ovulation. I wish it was required reading in school, but it was amazing. And if women can use apps to better understand or chart to better understand your cycle, you will have so much more compassion for yourself Mm -hmm. when you feel like you're pregnant right before your period, when you feel tired, when you're not in the mood. And if you are a routine person who likes to live days that are scheduled and you know what's going to happen, you can maybe plan date nights and sexy time for your follicular and ovulatory phase Mm -hmm. because you might 
feel better and more up for it then versus other times of your cycle. Not only that, your, your sex drive goes yes. up during, during that ovulatory phase as a natural evolutionary yes. part of life because that's the time when you can get pregnant. So you are made to want to have sex during that time and less likely to want to have sex when you're not able to get pregnant, which sucks when you're not trying to get pregnant, but at the same time, like, it's a good thing to notice. Right. You're like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take it. Although I think there's something wrong with my body because I get really horny the first day of my period. I've heard that. I'm, that is not me, but I've definitely heard backwards. that from other people. But it's yeah. a good thing for you to know and track. And yeah. And you kind of, like, know when that's coming. It's awareness. So I use, na- you use Natural Cycles. Yeah, you yeah. have me on the app, Natural Cycles. Love it. I think it's very simple. It's very easy. It's really good if you're trying to get pregnant or preventing pregnancy naturally. I used to use Flow, which I haven't used that in a while. I thought it was fine. I just didn't think it was as good because you couldn't take your, at least when I use it, I didn't take my temperature with it. Mm-hmm. Where Natural Cycles just kind of puts you into the algorithm and it sends you a thermometer. It's part of signing up. So you're set up for success. Um, because if you're trying to prevent pregnancy or get pregnant, you want to take your temperature to see when you're ovulating. So it just helps you you know, achieve your, your fertility goals easier. But it also allows you to track your mood, make notes, and then it will remind you, which I, I think love is cool. I the reminders. Yeah, it's like, hey, if you're feeling like shit today, this is probably why. And you're like, oh, yeah. And it's like, it tells you, like, get everything ready. Like, shit's going to go down. Like, do you have chocolate? Do you, like, is your bed ready? Like, are you ready for this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I forgot that's why I'm being a bitch right now. Got it. Yes, mm-hmm. it's why. It's why I feel really bad about myself today. I wish that they taught us that when we were younger because I think it would have helped me feel so much better about how I feel and not make me feel like I had to compare myself to these more like, I don't know, structured masculine approaches to fitness and wellness. That is, get up every day, grind, no excuses, blah, blah, blah. Because I could do that for two and a half weeks and then I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like the explanation of like why you wake up some days and feel like you just gained 10 pounds and you can't fit in your favorite jeans when just two weeks ago you were feeling yourself in those jeans. And there's a reason for that. It's a physiological reason. At least for me, when I know the science behind things, it makes me feel like, oh, there's not something wrong with me. I don't have a problem. This is just physiology and it's just the way that it works. And then you can set yourself up for success. So if you know you're really hungry around that fourth day before your period then you can eat more during the day of the stuff that makes you feel really good it's healthy and not feel so guilty when you want to have something sweet too Mm -hmm. which is important self-compassion is part of wellness absolutely so interesting thing natural cycles is what we use but couldn't couldn't recommend tracking your cycle enough i'm starting to ask clients if they do that because like you said yep they might come in week one of their period um feel great then they come in three weeks later, right before they're about to start their period, and they feel awful. They feel like they backslid. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we need to start tracking your period. And don't measure your progress at different times of the cycle. Measure day four versus day four. Yeah, so having these things as part of our normal practice and kind of asking those questions, I think, can help other women to start doing that if they've never been asked to do that or never thought to do it themselves. Yeah. So if you've got questions about any of this, um, feel free to send us a message on our our Instagram, nutrition.awareness. You'll know if we're ovulating because we'll be on there a lot more. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have one other side note that I think is important because this is not something anyone ever told me. But once I got off of birth control, that significantly improved my sex drive. Oh, yeah. You told me that. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. was on an IUD, and they tell you that an IUD will not affect your sex drive, will not affect A, B, C, D, anything. Because the studies that have been been done, there's not these significant findings where your gynecologist is going to tell you, here are your risks. But... At least for me, um, doing away with birth control and just doing natural birth control has allowed me to figure out all of those things that we just talked about and really lean into them. But then also it has increased my want to have sex because if you think about it, when you're on birth control, you can't have a baby. And so your body is like, what do I want to have sex for? There are some crazy stories about, mm-hmm. there's crazy studies about sex drive and, and hormonal birth control. Because yes. you, you were yes. on non-hormonal yes. IUD mm-hmm. and it still affected you. Yep. And then if you look at the studies among women and their sex drives on hormonal birth control, I think I might misquote this study. So forgive me if I do, but it's something along this line. Women who were on birth control and who identified as bisexual were more attracted to women when they were on birth control because they were less attracted to testosterone. Mm. And when they were off birth control and when they were ovulating off birth control, they were more attracted to testosterone and men. So I was like, that is really interesting. Um, and then I, yeah, I've, I have a friend who just recently took out the IUD and she was telling me that she feels so much more libido almost yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. And she started natural cycles. Yeah. And then there are some people where birth control is amazing yep. and it works great. Yep. I just feel like it's the wild, wild west it is. Of, of like <laughs> what's going to happen. It is. I had a client, she was telling me how much she loved her birth control. And then all of a sudden, for no rhyme or reason, she just started to feel like a bitch all the time. She was irritable all month long, got off her IUD, felt normal again. Yeah. And she was like, I wanted to be on it, but it just something shifted. So mm-hmm. sometimes things work for you at one stage of your life and then they stop working at another stage of your life. But if you are struggling with low libido or, or something related to that, then yeah, explore your options. Yeah, I feel like I needed to get that out there because no one ever had that conversation with me, including my gynecologist. Yeah, because it's like you like you said, the studies aren't they're just so random. Like you have to take a take a woman. Everybody's got a different hormone like baseline where your hormones are and then different fluctuations throughout your cycle and then that changes from month to month as your life changes so it's like you just throw a pill in there and there's so many different types of pills or types of IUDs and you just don't really know what's going to happen I feel like tell me what you think with the IUD changes in your libido would happen slowly instead of immediately well yeah it wasn't something that I ever noticed until it was gone yeah and then once it was gone Will was like, is this, like, the new you? Like, I don't want to get too excited. Like, (laughs) is this, like, just forever now? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, the only thing that's changed was taking my IUD out. But then I was like, oh, well, how much sense does that make that taking that out would increase my want to have sex? Like, okay, that makes total sense. Mm. Um, So I think it wasn't something that I noticed until it was gone. Yeah. I didn't know it was a problem until... And now you're probably never going to go back. No, I, no, no, <laughs> no, no, natural cycles, take my temperature every day. That book I'm going to link in the show notes, by the way, if you're on birth control and you're like, no way, I'm not having, not risking getting pregnant. This book made me feel so confident in my ability to prevent pregnancy without birth control. I'm pretty sure it's called Understanding Your Fertility, but I'm going to link it below. I, it just, I was like, this is doable. Anybody can do this because you can only 
get pregnant during certain times of your cycle, but you have to know your cycle and you have to track it to know when that is. I believe you can only get pregnant five days before ovulation and then up to two days after ovulation. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a 28-day cycle, that means you have like 20-ish days. You get a week. Yeah. (laughs) You get a week to get pregnant and um, 21 days to do whatever you want. Yeah. Which is great (laughs) if that's your concern. (laughs) So definitely would recommend learning about that, believing in yourself. And listen to the Peter Atia podcast um, with that doctor. Was it Dr. Shana or Shanna? Um, I I think that would, it's very high level science, but also if this is something that's on your mind, just another conversation that I think is important to listen to. Yeah, it was episode number 259, Women's Sexual Health, Why It Matters, What Can Go Wrong, and How to Fix It with Dr. Sharon Parish. If you guys like this episode, we would love to hear it. Uh, DM us on Nutrition Awareness's Instagram. It's nutrition.awareness. And you can also contact us via the website, nutritionawareness.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.